I think it was the theologians who first started the idea, later the philosophers took it over, and now some of the scientists are doing the same. What you are comes out in what you do. You see the point? Out of ourselves and into Christ, we must go. This is Chats Under the Sun with Jacob Volk. I hope you enjoy the conversation. We are live. Nikki, thank you so much for doing this. No, thanks for having me. So we, I think, um, this took a while to figure out because our email, like I sent a few emails. I don't think they went through. There's something bonkers. Did we ever figure that out or did we just... On our, our, on our end, it's a little bit difficult. We find that we end up in a lot of people's spam folders um, just because of coming from a unique URL mm-hmm. on the back end of things. Technology. Love it. Hate it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I came through here a few weeks ago to talk to Glenn um, for some stuff with Into the Light. And then I came and you gave me a tour of, of clarity of your whole operation. I was so impressed. Super excited to like, hear that. So genuinely, thoroughly impressed with how fine-tuned your operation is and like how thoughtful you guys are for all the different different steps, different people you're approaching. And so I'm really looking forward to just kind of hearing you kind of spell out all the stuff you guys are, are working on. Mm-hmm. Really passionate about it and just the heart of excellence that we can show to the girls we serve mm. and everyone who's walking through our door, really. Cool. You can see it when you got to it. It's just you, you can't stop talking about it when you're so excited yeah. about the work being done. Totally. Can you, um, can you, because you said you've been working here 10 years, was it? January will be 10 years. Yeah. Crazy. I know. It's really crazy to think about. It ages me a little bit. So can you give me um, even a little, if you know, if you can, a history of, of Clarity and Elisha House to whatever you know of it? And then tell me how you got um, involved and how you started working here. Sure. Well, Elisha House um, started out of Niagara Life Center, Mm -hmm. and they started as a satellite location in 1988. And they actually were in the little church across the road from here um, with a mom's friendship program. And then shortly later, uh, 48 Burger was purchased and renovated, and Elisha House moved in and became, I believe in 1992, became autonomous and... Um, shortly after they purchased a second house, which was right beside it, uh, for ministry operations. And, uh, as they continued to serve women really became clear that, uh, there's no one size fits all solution to the problems that women go through. Um, you know, they might come in for an unexpected pregnancy, but the reality is that, that, that is just a cherry on top of a mm. lot of other issues going on. And so with that, um, emerged, um, the biblical counseling ministry, um, and, they began operating. I don't know what year that officially emerged. In my head, it's somewhere around 2006, but I think that's much too late. It's probably a lot earlier that it emerged. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. So the biblical counseling came kind of as a logical conclu- logical conclusion yeah. from some of the a pregnancy. Second, a secondary service, okay. and then really began morphing into its own. So at that point, they began operating essentially two distinct ministries under one umbrella. So the biblical counseling which a lot of people didn't know, covered things far beyond pregnancy, right? Like large clientele of male uh, um, clients and sexual sin, addictions, mental health, mm. um, broken marriages, all of those things that are not isolated to our pregnancy clients, and and mostly, obviously, from the church, those seeking a biblical response to their sin and trauma. And then with the pregnancy that continued to grow, 
Um, and I came on scene in 2013. So I had received counseling from Elisha House when I was younger as a teenager. And I had developed a relationship with one of the counselors at that point. And I was going to Brock University mm-hmm. for political science. I had gone to Youth with a Mission in Tyler, Texas, and we had a focus on life and justice, so human trafficking and abortion. You did YWAM too? I did, awesome. yeah. So um, at that time, we we went overseas to Asia. Um, we actually lived in a brothel for a couple of weeks, helping girls, and uh, came back with a heart for the pro-life cause. Of course, it's something I'd always been raised in. I had been attending the March for Life since I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And um, came back, went and enrolled at Brock for psychology with a minor in political science, which is a combination no one would ever use in real life, um, and very quickly dropped psychology um, and majored in political science. So I had every intention of getting involved on a political level. And in my second year of university, I actually joined Brock Christian Fellowship And in my final year, I served on the executive leadership. And we had a focus, a heart really just to um, be authentic and real. And as young adults, we did not know the can of worms to which we were opening. Mm -hmm. And as we encouraged people to be authentic and real, we discovered a lot of um, habitual sin and addictions and had no idea how to address those things. So I called my former counselor and I said, we need an in-service because we are dealing with things far beyond our abilities. So um, she came in and did a lesson on the trees, which if anyone knows our counseling um, approach really just addresses the root and what Christ says about situations. And she at that time mentioned that a position was open and she thought I would be a good fit to apply. Mm. So I did apply. Um got the job and right out of university just had a complete 180 uh really saw that this is a position at elisha house House. yeah so in the pregnancy yeah yeah okay so really saw that um while i had good intentions to get involved in the political realm of things i was a young whippersnapper who had no idea about the real world Mm. the real consequences the real Um, struggles that women were facing. And so if I were there in any way trying to affect legislation and and policies, it would be from a place of um, naivete. Like I Mm. I had no idea about the consequences of policies and what they would do. And so started working there. Um, I've worked for a few different ministries. um, But then when I was on maternity leave, um, I had stepped back at that point from Elisha House Um, The board at the time approached me and asked if I would come back as director. And so we prayed about it. um, And following the end of my maternity leave, I came back. And at that time, our board began the process of separating the ministries. So really, um, for those of you who know the ministry, they're just both massive. And they have very different audiences. Mm. And so we were each running into unique challenges on the marketing front. So um, particularly for the pregnancy side, um, we were Alicia's house. Nobody knows who Elisha house is or who Elisha is from scripture. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So women assumed we were a maternity home. Um, they were, it's Alicia's house. And, and so while that's minor, obviously then the counseling had the misconceptions that Elisha House is just for pregnant women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they had a lot of issues there. And both ministries were growing rapidly and they needed 
their own um, space to step into where the Lord had called them. And so we began that transition. And then in January of 2022, we both began functioning autonomously. Um, So of course, there's Insight Biblical Counseling, and um, I now direct Clarity Pregnancy Options. So it was a very long year (laughs) to figure that all out. But yeah, here we are. And you guys were sorting through a lot of that stuff during COVID too, which I imagine made things even more complicated. Oh my goodness. Well, so I was on, my son was actually born the first day of lockdowns. So I was off for the first year. So I didn't have to deal with all the lockdowns and masking and all that. I got to just hang out at home and soak up um, the first year. But when I came back, yeah, a lot of Zoom meetings, Mm -hmm. um, especially dealing with the legal transition and and obviously all the branding. It was something where um, we always joke about the probably two, three dozen, 6 a.m. Zoom call meetings with the board and, and the the really the huge commitment, especially the board because they're volunteer, but just the commitment that that year was mm-hmm. to the ministry. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I come from a marketing background. And so for me, I, that's that becomes the idea of Elisha House having these two really different audiences, different missions, and like the complications, that seems like I can immediately see all of the struggles that probably you guys were having over the years. So can you can you tell me a bit more about like that transition, kind of like reforming your own identity as Clarity? And because obviously, um, for people who don't know, I'm where the you guys do share the same building. Yeah. Um, and so and I've come up and down the stairs a few times. And yeah. So so you guys we are, obviously we work are together. completely uh, autonomous from one another, mm-hmm. other than essentially they're our landlord at this point. Yeah. Um, and we have our own entrances for confidentiality, obviously, to protect the clients. Um, but really, the name Clarity, that was hard fought after. We, we met time and time again praying, what does the Lord want for this name? And we knew our heart behind it. So to start with our back end, like our full name is Clarity Pregnancy Options. Mm-hmm. And I'm very passionate about the fact that we maintained pregnancy options, not pregnancy care, not pregnancy support. Because while we do care and support pregnant women, um, our audience is really reaching out to women considering abortion. And in that time, they don't want pregnancy care. They don't want pregnancy support. They want to know what to do with their their pregnancy. So that piece really resonated with them because our our heart is while we do support women who are just in challenging pregnancies, we want we want to impact the options, the the before they decide to keep the pregnancy decision. And so that's why we went with options. And then with regards to clarity, um, we met time and time again. We met with the board. We met with staff. Actually, the runner-up name, which, you know, I can see the Lord keeping us away from this in so many ways, but the runner-up name was Pivot. And the idea behind that was just the idea of pivoting when you're in basketball. You you stop, you plant one foot, and then you kind of, you go around, you pivot around, and you look at where you can throw the ball, where your options mm-hmm. are. And so... Clarity still accomplishes that vision, right? We want to help you see clearly. We want to work through the the muddy chaos that might be going on in your life. We want to make sure that you have the opportunity to be informed about what's going on around you and to cut out the chaos because um, that's how they so often feel. 
And so we want to provide clarity in their situation. Mm. What's funny is um, in the process of changing, obviously, then there's the insight biblical counseling. And we both landed on names that accomplish very similar ideas to provide clarity and insight in yeah. crisis. Um, and yet we did that independently from one another. Really? So that was quite unique. Um, but yeah, here we are. So clarity, pregnancy options. Um, and really, it resonates with those that we've served. We, mm-hmm. we see that strongly in in uh, how the Lord has brought people to us. Okay, uh, um, just interest more interesting question that popped into my mind. Do you guys have different boards? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that we are really... 100% autonomous. Okay, like, interesting. No shared budget, no yeah. shared boards, no shared bylaws, nothing. Like, we are completely unique ministries. And, and you both came up with those names. Yeah. That's, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, so uh, a question that I'm, I can kind of hear someone listening, and I wonder if you can kind of walk... Uh, walk us through the perspective. You know, you say uh, pregnancy options, and I can hear someone go, no, like abortion is never an option. And so can you walk me through kind of the perspective of the the person who's coming through your doors? Sure. Well, from a biblical and moral perspective, we know that abortion is not something the Lord would have. It should not be an option. It should not be an option to take the life. We believe life begins at conception. That being said, legally in Canada, it is an option. Mm. And there are many voices. Um, We have an event coming up actually in September and our theme is voices. There are many, many voices speaking into the lives of women who are facing an unexpected pregnancy. And abortion is one of those voices. And that comes through media and culture and friends and health class and your doctor. And there are so many people who are speaking um, partial truths or non-truths at all, um, Mm. or sometimes truth. And so we have an opportunity to present um, abortion from a truth perspective. So our heart is that a woman never comes back and says, I didn't know. And so we do it from a grace approach. We don't use graphic language or graphic um, images, but we want her to know the reality of what is growing inside. We cover fetal development in that appointment as well. And the logical conclusion that comes when you first cover fetal development and the heartbeat and all of those things that happen so early in pregnancy, and then you talk about the termination and the end of that pregnancy, um, you form a logical conclusion. And so... If we did not talk about abortion, the reality is that we would um, not have trust with our client. Mm. She would say, you didn't tell me what my options were legally. Um, But we also didn't do anything to educate her from a truthful perspective. And so if she came back to us and says, hey, I don't know why I'm struggling. I had an abortion and, and I'm struggling with grief or shame or regret, whatever it may be. Well, we didn't do our part to actually inform her on what the abortion procedure was. We let her um, assume whatever she has learned from Mm. secular means. Mm. And so um, we believe that by informing, we are preventing. And um, the reality is that until we have legislation change or, or deep, deep heart change in our culture, abortion will continue to be an option. And while it's not one we will encourage, um, you know, before a woman even sits down to receive services, she signs a disclaimer here, um, uh, really on three things. The first being we are a Christian organization and we want her to know that right off the start. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The second being that we will not refer, encourage or provide 
um, abortions. We're non-medical and we will not do anything to facilitate her finding an abortion. And the third is the whole confidentiality piece that we're confidential unless she discloses abuse or suicide or intention to hurt someone. So we're very upfront. If a woman calls us and says, hey, I'm looking for an abortion, our first response is, we don't provide abortions. This is what we do. Are you interested? Mm -hmm. And so... It might mean that we lose some women, but our heart is that we're building a relationship on trust. And we've seen time after time again, especially in the last year and a half as our new organization, time and time and time again, we are seeing the Lord changing their hearts to choose life. Mm. And um, we wouldn't have that opportunity if we didn't present all three legal options. <clears throat> I I love that. It's been, I, I was I was struck with this when I was touring you guys, and I, I've been struck with this in various ministries that I've talked to, is for people who have been doing the work for a long time and stayed committed to their values, they've, they've often gotten very precise and very careful with how they talk about things, both to be as inviting and loving to the people they're talking to and convictionally firm. Because you guys bridge a huge world between so many of the people that come into your office and like the Christian foundation. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I don't know how, sometimes how many people realize the gap that exists between kind of the lay level understanding of, of pro-life, uh, like pro-life abortion issues. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking, like I worked in, I did pro-life activism for a mm -hmm. long time. It's incredible how much people don't understand. Yeah. And so the, the language we use in our churches is almost incomprehensible sometimes to to the average person walking on the street. Yeah, like one thing we're always, I mean, on our end, um, you know, I'm almost 10 years in, there's a lot of times where I'm not learning a ton, but what I am learning is how to refine my language, mm -hmm. how a small wor word makes a significant difference. And so we're always fine-tuning those things. And one of the things that I really see the Lord doing is is um, prompting us more in appointments, right? So encouraging staff, when you feel the Holy Spirit, ask permission to push, right? So if I'm in an appointment with a woman, I don't do that much anymore in my position, but I fill in when needed. And I'll say to them, like, listen, do I have permission to be candid with you right now? Is it okay if I'm just a little bit upfront? Because I feel like there's a question I want to ask you. And it just allows us that one level of always seeking, Lord, where can I push a little bit more to get this woman to see truth? And it won't look the same for every girl because some people are ready for us to push and others aren't. And so, um, you know, we start every day in devotions. You know, we we get in the office, we grab a much needed coffee, and we sit down, and we have a prayer calendar, and we pray through the girls we're seeing that day. We're praying through the girls that came in yesterday who are still considering abortion. We are, we're praying through the crisis. We're we're reading scripture together. We're starting on that foundation, and we're really making sure that we're not losing the opportunities where the Holy Spirit has us push. And so, while it might not seem like a big number, like last year we had two dozen women agree to let us pray with them in an appointment, and that might seem insignificant, but when you are working with a 95%, not only unbelieving population, but often um, other religions who are not open to a Christian prayer, which mm. is a whole issue in and of itself, but then also people who are not just um, atheists or something, but militantly that way, to, to be able to break through some of those things. We brought almost a dozen women to church last year. Like These are huge victories, and it's because the Holy Spirit's leading it. Mm. And I, I love also like that you you guys have had evangelism opportunities um, as a 
byproduct is not a great word as a consequence of being faithful mm-hmm. to to like your ethical standard but also loving yeah these, these women yeah that's, that's that's so cool yeah and we'll never stop seizing those opportunities right like we we run baby showers and we do all those things we'll get into some of that i'm sure mm-hmm. but our heart in that is not just to provide these physical things but it's to bridge the gap of discipleship right we're parachurch we are not the church in and of ourselves we are a parachurch ministry and our heart is hey let's connect you with a local bible preaching church that will walk alongside you because that discipleship and mentorship is going to fill something that we ourselves never could in a once or twice a week appointment, mm. right? And that's really where we're going to start seeing life change cycles being broken in families. Totally. Can you um, can you walk me through what you guys do? What's the day-to-day ops look like for you guys? <laughs> there is no day-to-day ops. <laughs> Any staff will tell you it's, it's always up in the air. Um, so our... Um, mission has three parts. So um, the first, like our tagline essentially is explore, empower, equip. So we explore the legal options. We empower them with education to make an informed choice. And we equip you with resources to thrive. And so all of our services are broken down into that model. And so the initial, the explore piece is taking a, um, I don't want to say I'm biased because the reality is we are biased. We, we're very upfront about that. Um, but to take a um, whole picture look at what's going on in someone's life, right? So I mentioned before the unexpected pregnancy is often the cherry on top, right? So how's your relationships? How's your finances? How's your housing? How's your education? How's your, um, you know, um, spiritual? We ask them about their spiritual beliefs and what that looks like in their practice, mm. Um, what are all these things going on? What are the pieces? What are the circumstances that would get you to consider life um, to continue this pregnancy? Would you consider adoption? Um, what would it get? What would you need to consider parenting as a viable option right now? And a lot of times what we see is women are crippled by very temporary circumstances. And so our, our thing to them is never make a permanent decision based on temporary circumstances. We can work through those circumstances. We can help find solutions. And, um, you know, I said it last year, we make really big promises that we can't keep, but we're not for the church. Mm. Right. And so we, we promise, Hey, if finances are an issue, we're going to, pr- we're going to do our best to provide solutions to that, right? And we saw the church stepping up in a big way last year for some specific clients. And so that's the explore piece, right? So in an appointment, um, we go through all their options. We have a video we show that's um, by a physician who goes through the abortion procedures, what to expect, what happens in an abortion. We have a video from a physician going through fetal development. um, And we talk about adoption and parenting and relationships We do the pregnancy test with them um, and um, depending on what they're leaning towards, um, you know, if they're looking at keeping possibly at this point, we ask if we're allowed to give them a gift. If they say yes, we have blankets who are often knitted by prayer teams who are praying for the woman receiving them. And, you know, we might say congratulations. You might not hear that right away when you share with friends and family Mm -hmm. that you're pregnant. Um, But we want to say congratulations no matter how this life is conceived. It's always a gift. Um, If they're on the fence about adoption, we have partnerships with other organizations who do adoptions who will actually come our way um, so the woman can meet in her safe place, which is now our office building, and with no strings attached, go through her options. So we actually had um, a young mom place her baby last year for adoption. 
And we had the opportunity to throw her a birth mom sprinkle. So we know that little baby is going to be so well loved with her her or his new home. And we want to make sure that mom is really loved on, right? So we provided a, a shower, a registry that gave equipment for her new apartment that she was moving into, just things that will help her restart, um, you know, also some hobbies. She loved a few different activities. So we put things like that on her registry and we really just wanted to love her well um, with the local church. So we do all of those things in um, an explore appointment. We also have um, a local lady who provides all the vitamins for their mm. whole pregnancy. Mm. Um, so we're able to make sure if finances are an issue that they can get healthy vitamins um, we have a local support group called Embrace Grace. I'm really passionate about it. Um, it started out of Texas a long time ago. She has an amazing story, but a local church runs that. So we provide what's called a love box. It has a little onesie in it that says best gift ever and a book with testimonies of women with their own unexpected pregnancies, and then also an invitation to the local church. And so we give that out if they're willing and, and interested in a package that just has a decision-making guide and helps them explore their mm. options. We ask permission to follow up with them within 24 to 48 hours, and we start texting them at that point. If they want to come in, you know, we've had girls who've come in every single day for a week because they still can't decide and they just don't know. And so mm. day after day, we'll explore that with them until they're ready to make a decision. Um, so if they decide to have an abortion, we let them know that while we won't do anything to encourage or facilitate that, um, we want her to know our doors never close. So we follow up with her again in 24 hours. Have you had, do you have any more questions? Um, is there any way that we can help you answer stuff? Or have you had these conversations with any support persons? And, um, we've had women as a result of that who, like we have a woman right now coming in who came in here and did choose abortion last year and then got pregnant again and knew that she could come to us with her regret from her past one and know we would accept her current one. Mm. And so what we believe is offering that post-abortion care is prevention. If they know that they are loved here, that it can stop a next abortion. Mm. And we see that we have that woman here right now receiving care. Um, and so we, we do the post-abortion care. Um, you know, that's for the church as well. I know I shared with you at the tour, but one in three women in the church have an abortion by 45. And that to me is just a devastating, unnecessary number. Mm. Um, and there's lots of reasons for that, um, which we can get into if you want to, but our post-abortion is for the church as well. And then if she chooses to parent or adopt, um, the adoption route, we can go with the outside agency for support, um, but they can join our prenatal program. So that gets into our Empower services. So that's education-based care. So we do the follow-up appointments, budgeting, um, healthy relationships, Bible studies. Um, we connect them with physicians. We, oh, I guess one really important piece in Explore is that we um, have a partnership with a local ultrasound clinic. Mm. So um, we have a private donor covering that cost, and um, we can get them in for a time-sensitive appointment to have an ultrasound. And so last year, about 85% of women who received an ultrasound changed their mind. And praise be to God, this year we're at 100%. And so um, very critical partnership um, to have without us having to go medical because we don't have the resources. Mm. So we've seen many lives be changed through that. So if they've chosen to keep, we do the prenatal. So we have a registered nurse who teaches every week. We have a volunteer cook who comes in so that we can make sure that our participants have a healthy meal every single week. 
and um, partners are allowed to come with too. So in especially in the COVID time, um, they were cut out of so much care. They couldn't mm. go to ultrasounds and doctor's oh appointments. Goodness. And so we made the commitment early on that that wouldn't happen here. So um, we have lots of guides in the program um, and we just want to facilitate them as parents and, and encourage them as parents in that role. And so we have lots of men attending with us. And then um, we do... Um, well, we don't officially do it. Starting in September, we're starting a mom's drop-in program. Again, just for ongoing mentorship. And then all the one-on-one appointments. We also have a partnership with Insight Biblical Counseling. And so any of our clients needing that next level of counseling mm-hmm. that we don't provide, they can come for free and we'll cover a reduced cost. So we do that with Insight. And then um, our final piece, which is equip, is resources. So if a woman needs it, we will throw a baby shower for her. Um, That's done in partnership with a few local churches. And that allows us to make sure they have their main needs met. If they don't need a shower, but they have some needs, we'll maybe throw that on our Amazon registry. But we also have an equip room. And so we have tons of resources here for like clothing, diapers, wipes, all the basic stuff. But then we also have bassinets and swings. And with partnership from some key organizations, have some brand new car seats and cribs and play pens because legally we can only give out new on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can just provide those extra things. Like we might think it's so minimal, um, but a couple, well, a couple, <laughs> probably like seven years ago now, I will never forget. It's kind of um well, it's not kind of, it's incredibly sad to think about, but I remember an appointment where a woman was going to have an abortion because she was afraid that she would not be able to take her daughter to McDonald's anymore if she had a second child. And to us, that seems unfathomable. Like, it, it, and it should be, it should be that to everyone, but it was something so simple. Hmm. It was just, th- my finances can't be safe if hmm. I have another child. And so for us, we can solve that. Like, it's so simple. We can provide the little things that can help you be financially stable. And and we have solutions. So, so often people are making permanent choices based on misconceptions. And we want to break that. We want to actually step into those misconceptions and say, that's not truth. Mm. And let's help. And so um, we can do that with material resources. It, it makes a difference. If we can promise a girl, listen, we will make sure your house, your nursery is equipped. That can make all the difference from her choosing life. Yeah, I, that room is epic. There's like, it's, you have a whole wall that just goes up with all different baby clothes. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Lots of hard work went into it from our volunteers. So we're incredibly grateful. Yeah. Um. I've I've worked a lot with um, with homeless homeless population addicts th- those who are struggling, and what kind of hits me as you're talking about all of these different things is how necessary they all are. Like these aren't just fun things that you do for kicks. Or, that sounds they aren't just oh that's a nice way we could do that as well or we could do this as well. It's like I'm hearing each one of those is just key parts of meeting the needs of people who have crises on top of crises. Yes. Troubleshoot, find the solution. Troubleshoot, find the solution. That's how we've come up with our core services. So Mm. all of of the services that are in Empower and Equip, we consider secondary services. Mm -hmm. They are done to prove to our primary service, which is reaching abortion, uh, women considering abortion, 
it's a promise that will stay. Mm. We're not leaving. We're not going anywhere. We're not just here to get you to choose life and then bolting for the door. So we don't advertise those services because we don't want to um, widen the gap, widen the pool to which we pull women in from. Um, we do those all because we are going to be there for the abortion-minded woman. And so um, they are very intentional things that we have seen after years of um, very simple issues that cause women to consider abortion, saying, okay, we can prevent a, we can provide a solution to this one. Mm-hmm. And so we can't do it all, right? And so we really lean into outside organizations, right? Like obviously Safe Family is a huge one. And it was um, Care Portal, they, they recently closed in Niagara. So that is a big gap that we're trying to fill. And so we're using outside agencies to make sure that we're going the next level, right? When you look at other organizations, I can promise you they're not going into the deliveries. We have a doula going into deliveries if the girls want it. And they're not connecting them with physicians who will offer free care if they don't have OHIP. They're not doing the things that are actually going to empower these women to get out of bad situations. Mm -hmm. And so these things are intentional. They're not afterthoughts. They are very keyed in focused things that we have decided decided to do that we don't go crazy on them. We're not going to just open this big baby boutique because that's not our primary thing. So we make sure in every single transition of services that it will not cause mission drift. Mm -hmm. Our primary and focus goal is to connect with women considering abortion across Niagara. Love that. Um, Can you tell me a bit about uh, the guys that come into to clarity and um, just some of the, some of the ways you guys walk with them, talk, talk to them. I, even, I love the way you guys built your desk too. Like how intentional there's the cutout so that, um, people can Oh yeah. Dialogue. I was like, what desk? Yeah. yeah just the, the main, yeah. the main desk, even like that's, yeah. no one, no one knows what I'm talking about and you can describe it. But again, I don't think there's a picture frame in your building that wasn't done there. That wasn't placed there for a reason. You it's know what I mean? so intentional. And, and yeah, I mean, we had an amazing volunteer do all our decor and she probably was frustrated when she would bring something in. I'm like, well, this doesn't accomplish that goal. And, <laughs> you know, like even a table, I'm like, oh, this has to have rounded edges. We have babies who are table walkers or that picture's too angsty. We need it to be anxiety alleviating. Right. And yeah. little things like that. Which you guys killed, by the way, like your interior, um, your color schemes in every single one of your rooms it's just like <sighs> yeah it's that was so the goal. <laughs> refreshing. It, you guys, you guys the, did a great the, job the desk though was very intentional so um what you might not i mean maybe close your eyes and visualize this but our reception desk has the the higher tier which reception desks often do that's like i don't know probably four feet tall or four and a half feet. Um, But then the side of the desk, instead of having that come all the way around, the side of the desk is actually cut off and it's a lower one that's just at your, you know, waist level or something, a typical desk. And that's facing our waiting room. And the reason we do that is because often women will come in with partners and we take the woman in by herself initially. So we want to give her a chance to disclose, um, is there domestic violence? Is there trafficking? Is there abuse? Is there something that your partner has done that you don't want him to know? Or maybe there's something in your past that he just doesn't know about yet because maybe it's a new relationship, right? So maybe she's had a prior abortion or prior sexual abuse that she discloses to us. And we want to make sure that we don't disclose that to him until she's ready, right? So we're in alone with that woman and he's in our waiting room. And we would be remiss if we did not take that 30 or 45 minute opportunity to start ministering to him. Mm -hmm. So that's what staff does. 
they drop what they're doing. If there's a support person there, they're connecting with him. They're offering him coffee, water, or tea, and they're sitting down and they're able to have those connection points with him. And it's crazy when you find out. And, and like, they're, they're able to have that connection because of the way you've structured the desk for exactly, like line of sight. Because there's things. a line of sight, yeah. right? And so I'll use an example. Um, we had a client um, earlier this year and she came in and um, a staff took her in and I was the other staff in the building at the time. So I sat down at the desk and chatted, started chatting with this guy. And he was, oh, it's so amazing what you guys do here. Like, I can't believe ministries like this or op- organizations, they would never say ministry, but organizations like this exist. It's so amazing. And so I was like, yeah, I was kind of surprised at his, you know, his his fiery feelings towards us in a positive way. And so I said, yeah, like often people don't necessarily see ministries like ours or appreciate it. And we started talking and eventually it came out. I said something about how we don't refer for abortions or encourage them. And he said, oh, you don't? And I was like, no, like, we're not that type of organization. This is what we do. And so he was kind of silent and the the woman was in with our staff and then um, he gets pulled into the appointment and afterwards the staff comes out and we debrief, right? What did you learn? What did I learn? How does this mm-hmm. give us a full picture of what's going on? Mm-hmm. And she told me that girl came in telling her boyfriend that she was going to have an abortion today because it was the only way that he would drive her there. So he was sitting in the waiting room thinking she was going in for an abortion. I'm sitting there telling him we don't do that. And his mind is probably ticking like, okay, what is going on in this? But she was like, I want to keep this baby. Help me. And so she used whatever means mm. to get herself to us mm. so that we can step into the decision and help. And so it was just, it's little things like that where you find out so much more. So when a guy comes in, you know, the biggest thing if he needs counseling is we can get him up to insight, right? There's male counselors here who can be a little bit more intimate in their care for him in ways that we, with our boundaries, would not do. Right. Um, but he's involved in the whole process, the birth plan, um, the baby showers, if you would like the prenatal education and meals, um, everything from the start to the finish. And, you know, this Father's Day giving cards and gift cards to say, hey, happy Father's Day. Mm. You might not feel like one yet, but it's coming, right? So happy Father's to be however you want to call it. Like we want to make sure they're encouraged and affirmed as well Mm. in in fatherhood. Yeah. Man, all of those things too, just um, even the thing you briefly mentioned of saying, congratulations to a mother and that might be the first time and maybe the only time for a while that they hear that yeah. like that how that can resonate with somebody yeah change the tone right yeah. like um i know that's probably something that we're often uncomfortable with in the church is is saying congratulations to an unexpected pregnancy um it feels like i i think in some ways, we probably feel like it's compromising what we believe is truth. Um, but the reality is that pregnancy in and of itself is never a sin. Mm-hmm. Life is never a sin. It's always a gift worth celebrating, no matter how that baby was conceived, right? And so we want to set the tone. Like, this is something we're celebrating, and we want to be the ones that say that to you. And that can make all the difference. Like, to come from that perspective compared to a, um overwhelmed... I don't know how people are going to respond like that can actually change the trajectory. I've heard many, many women who have been part of a church came forward and when they heard congratulations or someone brought them a baby gift, that was like something so simple and it changed everything for them. Mm. Um, We had a client share. Um, We had WDCX here a couple months ago and a client came and shared and she said the biggest thing was someone in her parents' church brought her a gift and she felt so judged by the church, but someone came and brought her a gift. Mm. And it changed everything, mm. right? Something so simple, such a small expression of support 
is all people need sometimes to choose life. Um, I've got a couple other questions from a different angle, but before I ask them, is there anything else about like kind of operations day to day that, um, you want to tell me? I, I feel like you covered all of it. We, but. we have three locations. I guess oh, I didn't okay. mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a really big shift. And so um, we've been out of Welland really for whatever, 30 something years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, last year in June, launched a location in St. Catharines. Um, so we're close to the Penn Center. And we are just there one day a week. Um, we had a slow start. We had a very um, difficult start just with um, opposition who do not appreciate our mission. And so that was difficult. But we learned a lot of resolve in that time and just trust in God that um, we we know we don't have to compromise. We're on the right mm-hmm. side. And so we have our location in St. Catharines. And that was an intentional decision because about 15% of our clientele was driving. That might not seem like a big deal for all of us people who have cars. It's 15, 20, 25 minutes at best. For someone coming from transportation, it's an hour and a half. And when you're here for an hour or an hour and a half appointment, and then you have to take transportation back, you're looking at a four to five hour appointment for Mm -hmm. one small thing. That's a big deal. That's a big reason for someone not to come to us. So we're in St. Catharines one day a week, and then we have the same issue with Niagara Falls. About 15% of our clients were coming from there. We know there's not a lot of ministries specifically in Niagara Falls that are combating this. And of course, that's a huge trafficking area. <clears throat> and so we wanted to get in there with um, some light and truth. And so we're there one day a week as well. Um, and that just launched in February. And we're seeing both really start to take off. In fact, to the point where we're pretty much booked up every single day that we're there. Wow. Um, but we don't have the resources to expand our hours at mm. this point. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Can you um, can you tell me about or any anything about some of the opposition that you guys face? If you want to skip and pass go, that's, that's okay. <laughs> no, too. that's okay. Um, yeah, we pray for them every single, like they're on our prayer calendar. If you get our emails, you'll see them on our prayer calendar every month. Um, we always want to take a position of prayer for them. Mm. Um, they don't know truth. And we've tried to some degree to converse with them. Um, you know, for a while we were intentionally targeting our posts on social media to be reactionary, not in a uh, aggressive way, but in a passive way. They say this, well, here's a Q and A, this is the truth. Right. And so they gave us some content ideas at the very least. <laughs> and, and they being an established group, a, an established local group. And so, um, Which yeah, I, again, I don't know. I know this because uh, my mom works here, um, or volunteers here, but there is an established group that doesn't like this and that's worth that's worth that's worth your prayers, if nothing else. Yeah. And you know what? We would just love for them to come through the doors. Like, I would just love for them. We've always said anyone can take our materials. Anyone can look through our brochures. Mm. Anyone can look through our content. We have absolutely nothing to hide. We don't lie on the phone. We don't lie on our emails. We don't lie on any content that we put out. We are who we are, and we have nothing to hide. We're not ashamed of the fact that we're life-affirming. We're not ashamed of the fact that we take a pro-life stance. We're not ashamed of the fact that we're Christians. Um, we are excited about all those things because those put us all on the side of truth. And Amen. so we lean in, not lean out. And um, they don't like that. And that's okay. We are always going to have those who oppose the mission that we do. Um, we just keep loving them and encouraging um, truth. And inc- and so um, the only tone that I would want to be known about them is a tone of prayer. 
like mm-hmm. to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Pray that, you know, we often um, as a team here, we'll pray for our federal and provincial leaders. Um, and we know that God changed the heart of Saul into Paul. And so if he can do that, if he can change my heart, right? Like Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. Well, mm. in my own way, I am the chief of sinners too. We all are a chief of sinners. Like we all have done enough to put Jesus on the cross. And so from a spirit of humility, if not by the grace of God, I could be that person who's advocating for abortion. Mm. And so a spirit of prayer leads us to pray that they would be exposed to truth in a radical way that changes their life to know the Lord. And that's Mm. all we want. Mm. Um, You know, about, I don't know, six years ago, I actually had coffee with an abortion doctor in Niagara. Um, he let me come to his office. He let me put our brochures in his waiting room. And it was just by extending that ask that we had that opportunity that now the brochures at the time of Elisha House were in the office of women who were waiting to receive an abortion. And that meeting, I had so many people praying for me. I was so scared to go into it. I was so scared to shake his hand. Um, but the Lord really gave me a spirit of humility, right? If not by the grace of God, that could be me, right? I'm not smart enough to be a doctor, so <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that that trajectory would be me. But the sin behind it, there's nothing yeah. that is different in my life other than the Lord capturing my heart. And so um, in that time, if we just have a spirit of humility to try bridge these gaps, we don't know the impact that can have, like the doors that can open as a result of mm. trying to converse instead of condemn, right? Like mm. it can change everything. Mm. And so the only spirit to opposite that I have at this point is prayer and pity. Like, I just want them to know truth and the freedom mm. that comes from it, mm. right? Like, think of the passion they have to oppose our mission. Imagine how that passion <laughs> could be used for good. Like, yeah. It, yeah, that's our heart. What did you and the doctor talk about? Like, how did that conversation go? I really just tried to pick his brain. Um, like, a lot of information in Ontario, and I guess Canada as a whole, is hidden, right? Mm. So, mm-hmm. we have... Um, very little information on abortions performed, um, uh, the numbers, especially now that we have medical abortion. Um, a lot of that's not reported. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted to pick his brain. How many abortions are happening in Niagara? What ages are they being performed at? Um, what happens if they fall outside of the age range to which you're allowed to perform? So I really just wanted to learn um, so that I knew, right? Um, and then also to inform about what we do in our heart and, and what we can do to women who might not be in the position that they actually want an abortion. So you know now, doctor, who to send them to. You don't have to worry about helping them. We will do the work. Mm. And so that was really my only intention. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> – I can almost feel the anxiety from that day just creeping right back up at I, how I petrified. Bet. So um, – but it was great, right? And, and – um, you know, who knows what seeds were planted. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you for doing that. That would must have been absolutely terrible. Yeah, I tried with, I tried last year actually with another doctor performing mm. in Niagara and was met with a resounding no. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. pray that those doors open because yeah. again, we never know. Yeah. And, and doing, I mean, it sounds weird, but doing that kind of uh, research is really important because again, I, I'm hearing... I'm here. I'm, what I'm hearing from you is even you're so committed to the mission and and fine tuning and clarifying, clarifying the <laughs> the, the mission and, and how you do it well that you're willing to meet with someone like that, as terrifying as it is, just to maybe get a little piece of information that might just just change your phraseology just a little yep. bit, just to be that little bit more loving. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, 
it's always about fine tuning, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason that we fine tune is because the Lord desires excellence. Um, and so we're not a mom and pop organization. We're well established. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're not going to tiptoe around anymore. Like we don't know that, right? Like we can help, we can step in. Um, and so, but that comes from learning from those who have done it before us and who have done it better or those who oppose us and what language they're using so that we can better um, fine tune ours, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's always out of a spirit of how can I do better? Um, we're never going to get there, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I happen to think that there's things that we're doing remarkably well. It's not because of me. It's because of really qualified staff. Like um, I was listening to a podcast um, last year that said, always hire up. Mm. Always hire someone better than you. Yeah. And I feel like I have. Like I look at our team and and while I feel confident that the Lord has led me to this position, he has led the other people to those positions equally. Mm. And they are so qualified to do what they do, whether it be the marketing piece or the education piece or the coordination of services. Like he has allowed us to be a well-oiled machine in and through the people that he has brought here. And so that's always going to come with a desire to learn and do better and to excel and to set the tone and to set precedent across Canada. We want people to look and say, we can do it this way mm. um, and not compromise, right? We know who we are. We're not ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, do you have any stories that particularly stick out to you? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm, I mean... I'm, I know that's a hard question sometimes. No, I have one like, that comes to mind right away, but okay. so I feel like some of your audience might have heard it already just because we shared it a couple times, but mm-hmm. um, it's one I feel confident sharing because we have permission to share. So Go, go for it. Um, so we had a woman come to us last year um, seeking an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, she was new to Canada and was enrolled at a local school and wanted to have an abortion because she was told by her local school that if she did not, she would default from her program. So she was in a co-op placement and um, because of the nature of her work required um, certain childhood vaccines that Canada, that her home country did not do. Mm. Canada does them, but not if you're pregnant. So uh, she was pregnant yeah. and could right. not receive them, which means she would not meet the requirements for her program. She would default from the program. Therefore, her student visa would no longer apply and she'd be deported. So she had two options, drop out of the program and lose everything that she had just fought so hard to get or have an abortion. Well, the ironic part is because she got pregnant in her home country from her husband, she was not covered for OHIP prenatal care here, but her abortion would be. Talk about the deck being stacked against her, Mm. right? So we have partnerships with some local physicians. So we reached out to one of them and asked if they would consider writing a medical exemption for her. And I'm a little bit fuzzy on the details. I believe it was rejected. And then the second one was approved. I can't remember. But regardless, all, all to be said, she got it. So now we're here. She's in Canada. She's allowed to stay in her program. So, you know, hurdle number one overcome. But she has no medical coverage. So the doctor started seeing her for free. So at least she had some medical care. And then we reached out to the midwives and asked if they would take her pro bono. And originally that was agreed upon. But then um, what came up was that she needed a C-section. So we started calling um, the Niagara region, um, asking for their billables. Like we wanted to start preparing what's this bill going to look like for her? What's the C-section anesthesiologist, surgeon, like um, overnight stay, everything. What's this going to look like? And so in the meantime, she started getting connected with a local student's ministry and a local church who threw her a shower and did a collection for her. And um, 
there was over, I want to say over thirteen or $14,000 raised to make sure that that mom walked out with not a single bill. She had her baby, everything was covered, no issue. When I say earlier that we make big promises that we can't keep, we committed in that initial appointment that if you choose life, we will be there. This woman wanted her baby, mm. but she couldn't. Like There was no feasible way. She had sacrificed so much money. Her husband and kids were at home in her home country. She had given up everything to come here. And that cost is astronomical. And so for her, despite wanting this child who was her husband's and hers, she saw no other door. There's no other way. Like when we think, oh, there's always a way. Think of overcoming something like that. You're new in Canada. You don't know this as a primary language. You don't know where to turn to. Like you, we can have empathy to understand how someone in that position would feel like they have no choice but abortion. We know morally it's wrong, Mm -hmm. but we can take a moment to empathize with that. Mm -hmm. And so we made a promise in that appointment. We'd be there. That was a promise that we as Clarity could have never kept on our own. And yet, Countless times, other new organizations, new churches stepped up and said, hey, if you don't get the money, let us know. We'll, we'll send some her way. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll cover the C-section bill. Just let us know when it's in. All these things. Like, they were there. And so, we are seeing that become a very normal issue. Um, obviously, um, anyone who spends any amount of time in Niagara sees a changing demographic going on, right? We're accepting a lot of refugees into our into our region, and we're seeing the ripple effects here. Um, I would say over 50% of our audience at this point of our, of our demographic story is immigrants or refugees. Mm. Um, so as a result of that, um, the needs are increasing significantly. We're mm. serving a lot of women who just have heartbreaking stories, right? Um, a woman whose husband just beat her and left her here. Um, another woman who um, we're helping who is pregnant as a result of gang rape. Um, another woman who has her children and family at home and fled because of political issues when mm. she worked for the, a corrupt government. Yeah. And so these needs are not becoming the exception. They're becoming the norm. It's high needs um, cases that when you sit down and hear the stories, they just break your heart. And it's a privilege to step into them and to give them hope. Um as you can maybe talk and distract for a minute and I'll just pull up the most encouraging text that we received because it really is something that um, I often forget because I'm not in client care. And then we keep a document that has like testimonies of different okay. things that have come in. And sometimes when I'm sharing out a church or something, it's just a moment where like I have a catch in my throat and I'm like, oh my, like what a privilege to Mm. be able to step into this and offer the hope to someone who would have been without hope if it were not for Christ letting us work in his ministry. Yeah. So yeah, it's amazing, but lots of high needs. And so we just launched Speak Life Teams. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of the changing demographics and the amount of women we're serving who don't know English, um, we're asking for people who know other languages just to be in a database for us. So do you know Portuguese, um, Spanish, Hindi, like whatever those things are, we might never call you, right? Like, But if we have a woman who indicates on her intake that she would prefer a different language, will you come and translate our appointment? And Mm. you translating about her options could make her choose life. Like what an extra level of love that we can offer to someone to make them feel welcomed when they don't know anyone who can speak their language in this country. Totally. Yeah. um, That's fantastic. That's, that alone is a really, that's a really cool opportunity if someone has taken the time to invest in 
in learning another language to be able to serve in that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right and and the they don't need lines. to know anything, right? Because they're yeah. just saying what we already know, right? right? And anyways, here's the testimony. So um, she said, good evening. This is the woman you helped today. I just wanted to say thank you so much once again. For the first time in many months, I got a glimpse of hope of what could result from investing in my relationship with God. And in a time of darkness, I finally felt seen. I don't know what else to say, but thank you. Um, like, to to have someone who's like, I just finally feel like someone understands. Like, that's mm. amazing, right? Or, I mean, we constantly have ones where, um, like, if it weren't for you, my baby wouldn't be here. Those those kinds of testimonies are just coming in day after day. Um, you know, we had a woman last week who contacted us and said, I, I need to have an abortion. I'm so sick. I can't handle this morning sickness. It's all the time. And all it was was a simple conversation. Do you know that there's a medication designed for mm. pregnancy sickness? And we got her a referral to that medication and got a text saying, I'm finally happy about choosing life. Like, those are gifts that we have as the Lord lets us minister in his work. Mm. And it's it's such a privilege. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I think the other, the thing that I, I hear from that too is just kind of a note of gratitude for a lot of us for the amount of support systems we have for things like that. Um, and that's not true in everyone in our, our kind of, even the Dutch reform community that we're currently in. But for a lot of us, it's like we have our, our parents, both sides of the family who live within 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, again, not true for everybody, but we having have, those support systems there just yeah. changes things. And it's something I don't think we necessarily, well, <clears throat> I can't speak for all, all people, but I mean, I would say that I see um, less and less people taking that for granted. They know the privilege that mm. comes from having that to know that no matter what I do, I won't fall. Like yeah. Yeah. I can, you know, like all the different things that might stress me out, whether it's, you know, my mortgage or, or, you know, I, I shared with you earlier fertility struggles, like all these different things that we might go through in our life to know that no matter what, I won't fall. Yeah. That security is a extraordinarily privilege, extraordinary privilege. Like we don't even understand how um, unfathomable that is for some people. Like we see 13, 14 year olds in here who are left going to school and having to make rent and having to work to buy groceries. And they're 13. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they should not be worried about this. And that is their norm. That is their reality because their parents have left for the hills. And so I just, I, I think time and time again like that's why i'm big on mentorship and discipleship because if we can just give them a taste of our world we can break cycles like we can change the trajectory that that family is going on by inviting them into our world yeah like totally even uh, at a point a point that i've seen a lot from working with some some of my friends in the homeless community is you know a lot of us got the opportunity to see the cause and effect of saving very comfortably. You know, we got to work and then we got to save that money and then we knew that that was safe. And then like just systems that were, that were put in us even like two, three, four years old. So many people just never had anything of the ability of the level of stability needed to have those connections yeah. forged. And so for them, the idea that I know it's, they would never, they can articulate this, but from a, the core of their being, the idea of saving money that it will be there when you need it yeah. to save, to add those dollars up over time is, is just emotionally beyond their grasp. Yeah. And like, I didn't, I didn't grow up at 12 and go, okay, from a thoughtful position, I'm going to choose to articulate <laughs> this. It was, it was taught to me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. What we perceive as common sense is not. 
And I don't mean that in an offensive way. I mean that in a genuine way, in a way that there are things that we just assume everyone understands boundaries and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. saving and being financially smart and, you know, working hard and having a strong work ethic, like all these things that were ingrained in us. Mm. um, We just assume that people know it. And it's like, no, the women that we serve, while some are in a position um, because of uh, short-term circumstance, many are in because of cyclical behaviors that they were never taught to get out of. All they saw was these things. Like we had a woman, this was years ago, but I think I'm trying to do the math in my head, but 13, 13 and 13 is 39, right? And so we had a woman who was here and she was 39. She's a great grandma because there was three generations of babies at 13, and so it's like, it's mind boggling, but if we let them into our lives, if we're actually willing to say, listen, okay, so full disclosure, we always need money. I'm not going to deny that. Like we're, we're, I'm, we're not a charity, but um, we rely on donations, but we have a tendency to want to throw money at a problem because mm. it still allows us to remain within our comfort zone, right? Um, we feel that sense of accomplishment that we're participating in that. And obviously I'm never going to say no to that, but what we really need is people to partner in multiple ways. And and there's a sense of discipleship and mentorship and servant lifestyle that comes from letting people come into your life and it's uncomfortable. Mm. Um, we have to be more vulnerable in our home, but it will change things. Like yeah. it can and it will. Um, and you can be that person that has that impact in someone's life mm. by um, being uncomfortable for a little bit and, and opening your doors. And also the the change that it makes in you as a person, there's there's nothing... This goes for like volunteering at, at Bible camps, at stuff like this, at homeless shelters, at all these different things. There's out of the cold. There's You can go on for all the ministries that are around here, Save Families. Yeah. What it does to you as a person to really get involved in some of these things is just, it's incredible. Like spending a bunch of time serving other people who can do nothing for you in return. It, yeah. I mean, I have my own stories of like really first starting to do that, but it completely, it changed my life really when I started taking that seriously. And I'm saying this almost from a selfish point of view, like it changed my life. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the blessings that the Lord gives us that he uses things that are not necessarily meant for our good, for our good. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for his, for our good and his glory. Right. And so, um, I agree. They change you because, um, they put you in a spirit of thankfulness. Like, thank you, Lord, that this was not my story. Thank you for providing family Mm -hmm. that cared for me. Thank you for providing, um, people who, you know, took time to look at me and say, something's not right. Like, how can I step in and, and help you? I, you know, share the story of that in my life as a teenager. And so I think that it really does just give you a a spirit of, you see it once and then you have eyes to see it. Like, I mean warning to all those who are like oh maybe i should go get connected um the lord won't let you stop like once he puts that (laughs) desire in you like it will be something where your eyes constantly see the need and you have a heart that's broken for that and Mm -hmm. that will spur you to more action totally yeah yeah my my one kind of final question or one of one of my questions is can you talk to me about um the churches because you briefly mentioned like they're they're Christians from our local churches who yeah. who come here, and that's something you guys see. Um, what is the kind of what is the link, the connection? What do you guys see from even our our reformed churches and and the work you guys do here? 
Well, you're going to get me on my soapbox because I am so passionate about this piece. I'm in fact, here for it. In, in, in my position, I would argue that this is the piece I'm most passionate about. Um, you know, when I first started, um, I seized every opportunity. Someone would ask me to go speak up. Like, yep, we're there. And now I really see where the Lord is like, this is this is your role, Nick, Nikki. This is where I want you. Um, I have that deep sense mm-hmm. of conviction. And that is the church. Um, we're not exempt um, you know, I've shared, it was actually hard for me to share the first time. It gets easier every time. But, um, you know, in my story, I don't have a story of abortion in my past by the grace of God. Um, but what I do have is a life of making poor choices as a faithfully attending Christian girl. Mm. And by the grace of God, I was never in the position to have to make a choice about abortion. But if I was, that was in my back pocket as an option. Mm. I was going to the March for Life. I was faithfully involved in a local pro- pro-life organization and family. And that was always there as an option as a get-out-of-jail-free card. And it does no one any favors to deny that that is the reality of women in our church. And so when we start acknowledging that we are... Um, prone to sin in the same way as everyone else, that the temptations of getting out of jail free lure us like everyone else, we can start being realistic. There's nothing special about who I am other than I am the average girl that exists in our church that we are not addressing um, as far as um, abortion goes, right? And so when it comes to the church, I'm really encouraged. I see a lot of advancements in the church talking about these things, but one in three women in the church have an abortion by 45. That is a staggering number. Um, Focus on the Family has some amazing statistics that come out where like, I think it's 40% or something of women who received an abortion went to church mm-hmm. within the week before the week after the abortion. This is not something where the church needs to walk out of our four walls to go do outreach mission. Yes, that's a chance, but the, out- the outreach is in our church. It's right there. We don't need to go anywhere. Mm. And we as a church need to do better, not only talking about the truth, right? Like we can't just deny that piece and just talk about the grace piece. Like we need to talk about the fact that we believe life begins at conception. Abortion intentionally takes that life. Therefore it is murder. Like we're not going to deny those things. The church needs to talk about it. But in this exact same sentence before breath even stops, we need the grace piece, Mm. right? That if you're in this position, there are consequences to choices, but nothing that is outside of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Like he is there for that. And so we need to start having those conversations. Like if a woman in your church is pregnant, what's your church's response? Like what are you going to do? Because I guarantee you the 12-year-old girls are watching, the 13, 14, and 15-year-old girls are watching. They remember what happened in their church growing up. We had... Oh, this is so heartbreaking. It's it's actually a little bit unfathomable that this came out. But um, within the past month, we had a woman here um, seeking an abortion. To the best of our knowledge, she chose abortion um, from a local church. And she said to her staff here, I would rather face the wrath of God than the wrath of my church. And I don't think she understands the weight of what she just said. And I bet it would horrify and and just break the heart of her church if they heard her say that. But somewhere along the lines, whether it's her misconceptions or whether it's been small, subtle things that have happened in her church that formulated her belief system about her church, she ended up with the conclusion that an unexpected pregnancy is much better suited with the wrath of God than with, with the response of her church. And... That is heartbreaking because we know mm. that that can be changed. We know that that's something in our power to to speak life and truth in these situations. So 
as a church, we're not exempt from these things. Like I know we talked a little bit off off mic about our marketing and why, you know, we're not particularly, you know, having the Bible verses on our website and we can get into that. But the reality is, while we primarily market ourselves to our general community who are not believers, um, our door is open to every single woman in the mm. church. Um, they're there. We're willing to meet with them. They're not the exception. You know, we've gone to churches before on a service and then afterwards pulled parents into room to talk about um, their child with them, with that girl, to explain that she's pregnant and we're there as a support. We'll go to those places. They're extraordinarily uncomfortable for staff, but we're willing to go to those places mm. because that can empower her to have a healthy conversation. And we can just make sure it stays in a constructive way that, you know, is life-giving versus going down a bad trajectory that would encourage her to make a different choice. But mm. they're there. They're not the exception. And so as a church, we need to have these conversations that, um, remind people um, time and time again, like this is not the unforgivable sin. Um, you know, obviously, like I've said multiple times, there's consequences to our choices. We're not going to deny that. Um, but life is always a gift. Like mm. if if someone in my church, you know, I was a youth leader for a few years. If a youth girl came to me, my first sentence would be, congratulations, I'm excited for you. Yeah. Right? Like, how can I help you now? Right? Like we can deal with the other stuff. We'll get there. But her initial response needs to be affirmation mm. that we're not going anywhere, right? I think the church is, um, I, I don't want to be too condemning, but the church is really good doing that to women who are outside of the church who might not have known better in, mm. in their words. Yeah. We need to grow in our capacity to do better in our four walls. Um, it's, it's just a reality. They're having abortions and we have to ask why, you know, I, I spoke with someone recently and they said, probably not my church. When I said the stat, one in three, probably not my church, probably a community church, probably a mega church. Like that's where those numbers come from. And I'm like, why not your church? Yeah. Like really, if, if we yeah. have, if, if we have the humble, humility to ask ourselves, why not my church? What is my church doing? That would change the tone. And if my church isn't doing anything, then realistically, why not my church? Why is like chances are it is your church so it's heartbreaking heavy heavy but yeah but good things to talk about and i think if people it takes time but if you have the posture of willing to listen and and to ask thoughtful questions um you start to find out that people start telling you things you know yeah. and if you're if you're <laughs> if you have ears to hear people will be honest with their struggles and yeah takes a while, but. And I think like in the past, I feel maybe it's just me, like it totally could be, um, you know, my own inclinations. But in the past, I think that we've had a spirit of thinking, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought now. You're good, um, you're good. Yeah, no, I, I was about to make obviously this very, very insightful <laughs> comment. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I think that we can do better. And yeah. I think the church is ready for it. Oh, mm. I have my train of thought. The Lord wanted it to be said. Yep. Um, we often just think that if we support that person, we're endorsing it. Right? Mm. So we have a mom and dad that we've been helping for a while here from a local church and their daughter's pregnant. And we've been walking alongside the parents as well. Another like, hey, bet you didn't know we would go that level, right? So the the client is obviously the pregnant daughter, but the parents are struggling. And so we'll walk with them, right? What does this mm. look like? Um, and, and their fear is, you know, what message does this send to our kids if we let her live in our house again, 
right? Well, we don't need to worry about those things. The message it sends is that we're broken people and you're willing to support and love her despite brokenness, Mm. right? It doesn't send a message of endorsement. It doesn't say that you're encouraging unhealthy behaviors. It's saying that even when you make poor choices, our door doesn't close, Mm. right? And so we often think as a church, if we support, we endorse, and that's just not the truth. Yeah. Right? Totally. Um. I think, I guess my final question, unless there's some other things you want to discuss, <laughs> my final question would be, how can people get involved? Like, how can people support the work you guys are doing, get patched in? Mm-hmm. What's, what are the ways that people can, can dive in? Yeah. We love giving tours. Honestly, mm. like that's where you're going to see. You guys see, are good at it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Got it down to a science. Um, that's where you're going to see really the things that we do. Um, I can promise you, like I always say this, you can see you can see our emails on our website and you can have an idea of what you what we do, but you have no idea until you come in. And it's so much better than you imagine. Um, and we're encouraged that the lives being changed. We're busy. Um, you know, I didn't really share about the numbers piece, but like last year was the busiest year. Um, it was our first year's clarity, but our th- 30 something year of pregnancy ministry mm-hmm. is the busiest year since 1988. But this year, 2023, we're on track to beat last year by 65%. So that's 125% over 2021 in client care without increasing, except uh, two days a week, increasing yeah. hours. Like it's so busy and the Lord is bringing so many girls to our lives. And so we're super excited for that. We do something called Google ads, which means that a woman searching for abortion in Niagara first finds us. That's made a huge impact. It's extraordinarily expensive. Um, but I would single-handedly say that this is the biggest indicator of us making a life-changing difference in, in women who mm. we serve. So the finances to sustain the Google ads is, is a big thing. But to get involved and actually see it, we take evening volunteers. So, um, you know, we are running on a skeleton crew as far as what we accomplish. And we made the shift last year to be open till 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. You know, we tell guys, hey, stay connected. Come come to her appointments. Um, maybe have your own appointments. But then stay in school and don't stop working. But we close at 4 so right. lose your income or drop out of your class that day to come see us. And it just doesn't make sense. So we're open three days a week till eight um, just to be more accessible. And um, we, for insurance reasons, have to have two people in the building. So totally. we actually have volunteers come in three days a week. Um, that's where your mom is helping out. One of the ways your mom's helping out. She's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, so that's one of the things is actually to come into the office. You might get chances to sit in on appointments or talk with the boyfriends while their girlfriends at an appointment. Um, but also some office work, you know, going through the adorable baby clothes to help get them set up for the moms. But um, we also, um, a big thing that we do is um, outreach communication through text and our website chat. And mm. so we um, use technology, which we love and we hate at the same time, that bounces <laughs> to our cell phones and it turns off at eight o'clock and gets pinged to a volunteer. We know a woman makes a decision um, to have an abortion within 48 to 72 hours of finding out she's pregnant. So being unaccessible for a weekend can make the difference of a woman choosing abortion. That's not Mm -hmm. acceptable to us. We want to be there. So we have a team of volunteers who takes turns and it just pings to their cell phone instead of ours. 
And so they're able to do it over the, over the evenings or weekends. And then it pings to us in the morning again. Hmm. So as soon as we can keep that conversation going, she can see our history. We can see theirs. It's amazing. It's a huge gift. Is that the cell phone you give? We don't do, we don't, we do not give out a phone anymore. Okay. So that's amazing. It's actually all built into our own phones. And so we can turn off our notifications when we're on vacation or something. And we only have to carry one phone now. Okay, cool. Huge gift. Um, So that's another one. We also obviously have fundraising teams. Um, We also have cooks because we provide meals for the women. We do events throughout the year as well. Um, So we always need, periodically, we need people to come hold babies, which is such a task, I understand. But um, just to let, you know, we do Mother's Day events and we just want the moms to be able to eat food while it's hot, (laughs) which is a foreign concept to them. Um, So we just have little stuff like that. But we did some calculations and last year we had over 7,000 volunteer hours. Like that's mind boggling, right? And it's because of the after hours line and, and, you know, for that to be manned almost 24 seven, essentially by volunteers aside from, you know, the 40 hours a week that we're in the office. Mm. Um, But yeah, there's so many opportunities um, to get connected in in informal ways and then informal ways as well, where if you're a little bit more intimidated, um, you can have some more behind the scenes stuff. um, If you're kind of nervous about the conversations that could happen. Yeah. What's the... uh for someone wanting to do that, what's the first step? Like, So you can go to our website, um, okay. we, claritypregnancy.ca, um, and on there is a contact form. You can fill it out. And so we are a little bit rigid in our process. Um, we obviously want Good. to protect the integrity of the ministry. And so um, we have quite a hefty intake procedure. Um, obviously, we let people through. Your mom is a great volunteer, so she <laughs> she, she made the cut. Um, but we just ask about your, you know, your view on life, your view on abortion, and mm-hmm. um, different topics that we address. We want to make sure that we're maintaining a biblical front on all things. So um, while our forward-facing website and the marketing stuff that comes out might not have that messaging, because obviously our primary audience are not believers, um, we seize every opportunity that the Holy Spirit gives us to to start entering these conversations. And so we want to make sure that anyone who is in our doors is prepared and theologically sound to start helping people. And so, um, yeah, we check all that. And then also we just make sure that there's no unprocessed trauma, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, lots of people statistically, one in three have um, prior abuse um, in their life, or um, we might have miscarriages or divorce or prior abortions. And while um, we're grateful that the Lord uses us all in different ways, um, we just want to make sure that that's been... um, um, viewed through a biblical lens so that the trauma or pain or the decisions you made in the past have been um, fully redeemed by the Lord in a way that honors him. So that we're not speaking um, in a way that uh, out of trauma, right? So mm-hmm. we just want to make sure that everything we're doing is in a way that um, biblically reflects what the Lord's desire is and pray that the Lord in whatever small way he sees fit uses each of us and our volunteers um so we just want to set them up for success for that so they fill out the application they get a tour and then we start seeing where they feel the lord is calling them to here also the biggest thing is for the people who are not ready to jump on board please 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 just go sign up for our email and every single month on the 1st at 8 a.m., an email goes out with a prayer calendar and their real life prayer requests. They are women who we are currently serving and we're asking you to hold them up in prayer. Um, that's the biggest thing, right? Like I know a lot of times we say first and foremost prayer and then finances and all that stuff. But honestly, like yeah. when I, I can see who opens my prayer calendar and every month I see it growing and no amount of finances coming in could ever 
account for the spiritual encouragement that that is to staff to know that 25 people are praying for us today or for this girl today. Like Mm. that changes things. Like we prayer changes things. We see it here. And so if, if people want to do anything, it's sign up for our prayer calendar and, and get to pray in Um, these girls lives need it. (laughs) Awesome. There's, there's definitely the action steps for anyone Mm -hmm. who wants to, to get involved. And, and for anyone who, can come for a tour, please do it. I, I hadn't gotten a chance to drop by in, um, I don't know, a long time. I think I, I, did, I came to Elisha House a while back, but going for a tour is really cool. Yeah. You guys... And we have coffee. And you have coffee. <laughs> if so, that's the entice. And we probably, yeah. knowing us, there's five women working here, there's probably chocolate hidden somewhere too. So if that's a draw, we have some chocolate somewhere. <laughs> uh, no reason not to come down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, they can reach or they can text us realistically. You can Google us mm. and text us, but um, preferably don't drop. If you do drop in, we can't make promises. I'll totally. say that. Totally. We just want to prioritize, obviously, the confidentiality of clients. So typically, we just try to be a little more intentional about booking. But mm-hmm. if you're in the, the neck of the woods of Welland and you want to stop in, feel free and we will try our best to accommodate a tour, even if it means we can't pop into a certain place because there's clients or something. Um, but otherwise they can book one and we'd be happy to walk them through. And to be honest, if you can do anything, encourage your church leadership team to come too. Mm. Um, not even just for the sake of having more church partners, but just so that churches know we're here for their own members. Um, so yeah, encourage your pastor to come for a tour as well. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, uh, thanks for having is, me. This has been a great conversation. I've, I've been really encouraged. I'm just, I'm genuinely thoroughly stoked about the work you guys are doing. It's front lines, it's compassionate. You guys are the, the hands and feet of Christ. And I'm just very, very grateful for, for you and, and for the whole team you guys have. Thanks. So great conversation. Thank you for listening to this podcast's conversation. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, consider subscribing and sharing and all that jazz. It's immensely helpful. I'm all about having meaningful, interesting conversations. So if you know of someone I should talk to, hit me up on Instagram at It's the Volk. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>